too. So expect to be fed and be filled. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's begin. One day, this man was going out for a walk along the cliffs, right where we know where he lived. As he was walking along the path along the cliffs, he trips over something and he falls over the cliff. As he was falling over the cliff, he reaches out and grabs a hold of a branch at the last second. And as he grabbed a hold of the branch, there he hung, dangling for dear life, hundreds of feet from the ground below. So as he was hanging there, he began to scream for help. As, that, as he was screaming for help, all of a sudden he hears a voice from heaven. And the voice from heaven says to him, do you believe I can help you? And the man says, yes, I believe. Please help me. The voice once again speaks to him and says, do you believe I have the power to help you? And the man says, yes, I believe. I believe. Please help me. The voice once again speaks and he says, do you believe I love you enough to help you? And the man says, yes, I believe you love me. Please, oh, please help me. Finally, the voice says to the man, because you believe, I will help you. Now, let go. After a brief silence, the man says, is there anybody else up there? You see, the problem with this man in this illustration was that he was unwilling or couldn't bring himself to let go of the only piece of security he thought he had. And for many of us, there are so many people who are holding on to things. And one of the most difficult decisions that anyone can face in life is making a decision to let go. The title of this message is obvious, Let Go. Some of us may even look like that when we do let go. But this morning, we're going to be letting go of some things. Amen? And I believe that with the help of the Holy Ghost, He's going to help to identify what those things are so that we can finally be free from those things. Amen? So let's pray before we get started. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity this morning. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. And Father, I ask you this day to be with me, to speak through me, through these lips of clay, through this very imperfect vessel, Father God, and speak your words of life into your people this, this morning. Father, we pray that you open up our hearts and be ready to receive what you have in store for us today. And Lord, we're looking forward for the Holy Ghost to speak to us and to teach us today. Father God, we thank you so much as we come expecting to receive from you. Thank you for being so faithful to us. And thank you for being here in our midst, ministering to your people. And Lord, we thank you for that as we open ourselves up and ready to hear what you have to say. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, when I talk about letting go, this isn't rocket science. This isn't some great revelation. Because letting go is as simple as making a decision to stop holding on. It's about releasing or giving up control. Letting go is God's desire for us. But it's our decision to make. It's a decision that we make every day of our lives, not because it feels right, but because it is right. Amen? And God may be telling us to let go of something that may not feel right or feel good to our flesh. Do you hear me? But nonetheless, God is speaking to us, and it's a decision that we make on a daily basis. A decision to release a decision to, to give up. And for many of us, that may be a struggle. Because there are some of us who may be holding on to some anger. 
And God is saying, now let go. There are some of us who are still holding on to sin. And God is saying, now let go. There are some of us who may have developed some bad attitudes over the years. Negative attitudes. Stinky attitudes. And God is saying, now let go. Maybe there are people in your life that God is telling you, let go of. Some of us are still holding on to guilt, disappointments, past failures, insecurities, fears, possession, or whatever. But like the man in the illustration, so many of us cannot bring ourselves to letting go of these things because we either become comfortable with them, because we become used to them, because we developed a sense of security with them, or maybe we're just afraid to let go. But whatever the reason, God wants us to let go because whatever it is that we're holding on to is interfering with what God is trying to do in your life. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, now let go. Now that you got that out of your system, let's go to the Word. Amen? Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading from verse 6. There are seasons for letting go of some things. Things that may have clouded God's vision, things that may have clouded God's purpose, or maybe things that have become more of a priority over God. But the Scripture says, a time to gain and a time to lose a time to keep, and a time to throw away. The message translation uh, translation says it very simply. It says, a time to hold on, and a time to let go. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, it's time to let go. There are seasons for letting go of some things. Several years ago, my wife and I realized we had way too many books at home. So we decided to sort all of our books out, box the ones that we didn't want, and get rid of them. See, we had to make a decision because it came a time where we had to let go of some of these books. There were just too many. We had no room for them. Another example is in the Bible in Matthew 19, verse 5. And you don't need to turn there. But the story goes where a group of Pharisees came to Jesus with a question. Now, understand that the Pharisees weren't looking for answers. They were looking to set Jesus up and find something to accuse him of. And so one of the the questions that they wanted to address to Jesus was a question on divorce. And so Jesus responds to them and says to them, Have you not read that in the beginning God made them male and female? And for this reason, the man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto a wife and the two shall become one flesh now it's very difficult for a man to become one with his wife if he's still holding on to his parents it is very hard for a marriage to succeed if either spouse is still hanging on and depending on their parents amen It says to leave. Sometimes there's just times that we, that we have to just leave some things behind Amen. in order to move forward. Amen. Amen? We just can't hold on to it forever. There's a time to cut ties with them. And now there are some things that we may be holding on to that are not necessarily bad, that are not sinful or anything like that. But these are things that may be meaningful to us, things that are important to us, things that might be precious to us, things that we love. And that's okay. God doesn't have a problem with that. However, when it becomes more meaningful than God, when it becomes more precious than God, when it becomes more important than God, when it becomes even a greater priority than God, that's when it's time to let go. Let me give you an example. Go to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. Letting go means stop loving things or people more than God. Matthew 10 and verse 37, listen to what Jesus says. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy or deserving of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
Now, I want you to notice the phrase, more than me. Because Jesus is not saying that we are not to love our parents. He's not saying that we're not to love our children. He's saying we are not to love them more than him. You see, even in Judaism, in the Jewish culture, loving family members, or especially parents, is one of the most important and highest duties. But how many of you know that we can love something or someone so much that it becomes very easy to forget, neglect, or even ignore the Lord? Amen? But Christ's message here this morning is very clear. If, uh, in other words, Christ must be loved supremely, or he's not loved at all. But I know that if I was to say this to you, you'll all agree with me when I say that the only person who could rightfully demand total and complete love more than anyone or anything is the Lord Jesus himself. Amen? Wasn't it Jesus who taught us the first and great commandment? Love God with what? All of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. Because to love God with all your soul, heart, and mind is to love him more than anyone or anything. Amen. But if we're not willing to love him more than anyone or anything, then we don't have a real attachment to the Lord Jesus. And now we've come to a place where it's time to start letting go. Amen. And there's some of us who, before I even say anything, I just really sense that you need to turn to your neighbor and tell them it's time. Tell them it's time. Now, let me give you an example of what it means not to let go. Okay. Go with me to Matthew chapter 19, if you're still in Matthews. Matthew 19 and verse 21. It's a very familiar verse. It's about the story of the rich young ruler. <laughs> and like I said to you before, there are some things in life, or I should say the most important and most difficult decision that we ever face in life is making decisions of letting go. And in this story, we find that this young ruler is about to make a very important and difficult decision. And so the story goes where this rich young ruler came to Jesus asking him, Lord, what must we do to attain eternal life? And Jesus says, well, have you kept the commandments? And then he lists all of the commandments or some of the commandments. And the ruler says, I've kept all of these things from my youth. What else do I lack? Now, in Mark's gospel, Jesus was the one who said, you lack one thing. But in both accounts, they both agree that this man lacks something. Amen? And so we come to verse 21, where Jesus says to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Then in verse 22, it says, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful or grieving, for he had great possessions. Isn't it interesting how Jesus considered this man who was wealthy and had everything, yet he still looked at him as a man who lacked? We may have it all together on the outside, but that doesn't mean we got it all together on the inside. See, God is not concerned or interested in how well you're doing externally. God is only concerned about what's going on internally. Amen? So, Jesus says to him in verse 21, if you want to be perfect or if you want to be complete, let go. And of course, the story doesn't end favorably for this young ruler. Because Jesus exposed what was going on internally. Jesus exposed what was lacking in his life. And that was he was unwilling to let go of the one thing that kept him from being perfect in Jesus. The one thing that kept the Lord from doing more in his life. And that was his possessions. He was holding on tight to so many things that he couldn't bring himself to let it go. How many of you have... Hold on to things in your life that meant so much to you. And it came a time where you had to let it go. 
For some people, it's a very difficult and even painful experience. But nonetheless, if God is telling you to let go, then it's time to let go. You see, this man, this young ruler who had everything, walked away from Jesus, still holding on to his possessions, but yet he walked away still lacking. You see, this man walked away with an empty heart and an unfulfilled life because he couldn't bring himself to let go of the one thing, the only thing that he thought he had security in. His possessions had him hostage. It was holding him hostage. It kept him from moving forward and being perfect. And because of that, he was not able to experience fully all that God is and to receive fully all that God had already in store for him in his life. Amen? He made an idol of his possessions because he loved it more than he loved God. Letting go means stop holding on. It means to release it. It means to give control over it. And for many of us, it may be time to let go of the things that we love more, the things that we trust more, and the things that we rely on more. Amen. Now, I want to take a few moments going over a couple of scriptures that gives us an example of some of the things that we need to let go of. Let's start with Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. One of the things that the Bible tells us that we are to let go of are bad behavior. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31, it says this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now keep in mind, Jesus was writing, I mean, uh, Paul was writing to Christians. And it was apparent that some of these Christians in Ephesus were still holding on to some bad behavior. Let me read that to you from the Amplified Version. It says, let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, that's passion, rage, and a bad temper, and resentment that comes from anger and animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, and contention, and slander, which means evil speaking, or blasphemous language. One might ask themselves, Christians actually do that? It's unfortunate that we still have some crazy Christians hanging around. Amen? But Paul is saying that we are to put them away, make a clean break, let them go. There shouldn't be any bad behavior in our lives because even unforgiveness is considered bad behavior. Jealousy and envy is considered bad behavior. Having a bad attitude towards others is bad behavior. Being inconsiderate, being disrespectful, being insensitive, being mean-spirited is considered bad behavior. And if you're still holding on to those things, God is saying, let it go. But, but Paul says in verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. Amen. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Here's something else that the Bible tells us that we are to let go of. For some of us, God is telling us we need to let go of the things that concern us most. The things that we worry about. The things that bring anxiety in our lives. The things that bring so much unrest. Things that keep us up at night. The scripture says in verse 7, Casting the whole of your care, that is all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all, on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Now, in the King James Version, it says, casting all of your cares upon him. The word casting means to throw on somebody. But that word upon is a very interesting Greek word. We all know what it means when people come and imposes on you. How many of you have ever had people impose in your life? We know what that means, right? The word impose means to force something on someone. Okay. Well, this word upon literally means to superimpose. It means to force or to place something after another. If Jesus were here today physically 
And he says to all of us, cast all of your cares upon me. Every one of us will bring all of our anxieties, all of our worries, all of our concerns, and force it on Jesus and pile it on him, one worry upon another worry, one care upon another care, all on Jesus. But he says, cast them all on him. Because you see, he can carry the burden more than we can. Amen? In Psalm 55 and verse 22, it says, cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it. If there's anyone who had stronger shoulders, is Jesus. And he's telling us to force all of our cares and concerns and throw it on him. And it doesn't matter how many worries you have. He says, bring it all on him. So when you bring your concerns or your worries to the Lord, that means you've let go and you let God take it from there. Amen. Now go to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 39. Let's look at another example. Letting go means also losing yourself. I'm not saying to get lost, okay? Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the verse says this. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, that doesn't mean that you lose your life accidentally and then can't find it. No, what he's saying is we are to make an intentional decision to let go of our lives and let Jesus take over from there. Amen. The best example of that is the Apostle Paul. Go to Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 7. Because in the beginning of that chapter, Paul begins to talk about his former life. He calls himself a Pharisee of all Pharisees. This man had it going on. He had had popularity. He had position. He had power. He had influence. If there was anybody who was strict when it comes to the law, it was Paul. He had everything. He was the most respected person and even the most feared person. But yet look at what he says in verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done for me. Verse 8, he says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, for his sake, I have discarded, let go, threw away everything else, counting it all garbage so that I could gain Christ. Paul was willing to give up everything that he once had, everything that he once accomplished, everything that the reputation that he had received because of who he was. He was willing to give it up because none of those things compared to knowing Christ more personally and more intimately, that he was willing to consider it garbage. Paul understood what it means to give up or to let go of his life. Amen. And my friends, listen to me. Well, when it comes to control and security, many of us have a hard time giving it up. You know? We like to be in control of some things. We like to think that Lord said, Lord, I want to give you this, but I want to hold on to this. And we're just control freaks. There are some, some people are more controlling than, than others. But that's because we don't like to lose control. But let me tell you something about control and security. I want to read to you a quote that was made centuries ago by Martin Luther. He says this about control and security. He said, it is the ultimate idol of humanity. And we prove time and time again that we will exchange it, almost anything, for a taste of it. And that is so true today. Why are so many people unwilling to let go? It's because they're afraid to let go of their control. They're afraid to lose their security. But my friends, what God is trying to say to us this morning is this. Let go. I got you. He says, I got you. I really sense that you need to reassure your neighbor and tell him, God's got you. Go and tell him that. And see, and time does not allow me to, to take the time to talk about the disciples. 
when Jesus called them and says, come. And they were willing to let go of their livelihood, their safety, and their security to follow Jesus. And when they did that, their lives were never the same again. And they were able to accomplish so many things in life because they were willing to let go. uh, Martha and Joseph, Mary and Joseph, I mean, came to a time in in their lives where they had to let go of Jesus. And when they let go of Jesus, Jesus went and saved the world. Amen. We need to let go. Because letting go means giving up control. Letting go means to release it. Letting go means stop holding on. Amen. Now, why do you think it's so important to God that we let go of these things? Have you ever think about that? Why is it so important to God? Well, because God wants our complete focus on Him. He wants us to give our complete attention, our complete dedication and commitment, our complete devotion, our complete love and obedience to Him. Because only then will God step in and do something new, do something better, do something greater, and do something more in our lives, and even bring us even further that is beyond our imagination. Now, I know that many of you would enjoy a good clearance sale in your favorite department store. Amen? A huge clearance sale. One of those clearance sales where it has a big sign saying, everything must go. Amen? Now, be not deceived. A store owner doesn't get up one morning and decide, I want to be a blessing to the community and have a clearance sale. No, the reason why they want to have clearance sales is because they have all of this old inventory they want to move and get rid of so that they can replace it with new inventory. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? You see, we must have an attitude that says everything must go. We must have an everything must go attitude. Because when we have an attitude where everything must go, that means all of the ill inventory that is in our lives that is unprofitable. So that God can bring in the new inventory. Something new, something better, and something greater, and something more profitable. Amen? Are you hearing me this morning? You see, when we let go of these things, we're actually making room for something new and better. We're making room for God to come in and bring in this new inventory. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18. God wants to do something new. When God tells you to let go, he's not going to leave you empty-handed. I can tell you that right now. In Isaiah 43 and verse 18, he says this. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now, I like the way the New Living Translation says it. He says, but forget all that. Forget all of the former things. Forget about all the old things. And he says this. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Now look at verse 19. It says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Hallelujah. God wants to do some new things. And here's the thing. God has already begun doing a new thing in our lives. The moment we gave our lives to the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. He says, all things are passed away. That's all the old inventory that we've been holding on to in our lives. And he says, and everything is new. The problem with many Christians is that they've given their lives over to the Lord, but they're still holding on to some old inventory. And because of that, God cannot step in and move in the new inventory But he has no choice but to take that new inventory and store it back into the storeroom until we finally let go of that old inventory. Until we finally make room for God to come in and begin to start bringing in the new. Listen, understand something. Okay. Nothing in our lives should be off limits to God. 
If there's old inventory in our lives that we're still holding on to, we need to let go so that God can bring in the new, the better, the greater, and the more, and take you even further. That's what God desires for you. Understand this. When God is telling you to let go, he's not telling you to let go if he hadn't already lined things up for you. Are you hearing me? When God tells us to let go, it's like God telling us to jump over a cliff. And then because of that, we're afraid. But understand that God has an invisible shield, an invisible net, ready to catch you and keep you from stumbling and falling. Go to Exodus chapter 23 and verse 20. God has something already prepared ahead of time. If we let go. God wants to take you further. He wants to take you higher. Because he's already prepared a way. Listen to what he says to the children of Israel in verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before you or ahead of you to keep you or to preserve you in the way or in your journey and bring you what? Into the place which what? I have prepared. When we let go, always remember that God has something better. God has something already lined up for you. God has already got something prepared for you. Go to Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. This is a very familiar verse and probably a favorite of many. But what's so good about this verse that it specifically tells us that God has a plan, a definite plan, and a future already lined up. He says in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Notice what he said here, to give you a future and a hope. One cannot give something to someone what one does not have. But when he says, I give you a future and a hope, it's because he has to give. I like what the message translation says, verse, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this, I know what I'm doing, God says. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. God is telling us this morning to let go. And if he's telling you to let go this morning, it's because he's got something already lined up. Something great that he's setting up for you. So do what he says. Let it go. However, when we do not let go, if we don't let go fully, then we will stay stuck. We will remain stagnant. We will become paralyzed and grounded and keep us from moving forward with God. We would never be able to fully accomplish all that God has in store for us because we've grounded ourselves and we remain stuck because we refuse to let go and move forward. God will only take you as far as you will allow him. But God has, not, God has not only promised something new, but God is promising something better. Go to Hebrews chapter 8. As I said before, God will never leave you empty-handed. Hebrews 8 and verse 6 says this. But now he has obtained, he meaning Jesus, a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a what? Better covenant Established on better promises. But he doesn't stop there. Go to Hebrews 11 and in verse 39. And we all know Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. Where the author writes some of the great men and women of God. Who have accomplished much because of their faith in God. Then he closes out the chapter in verse 39 where it says this. And all of these... Though they won divine approval by means of their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. Why? Well, look at verse 40. Because he had us in mind, and watch this, and had something better and greater in view for us. 
to think that God already saw it before it even happened because he had us in mind. There's something great and something wonderful God has in store for you. So God has something new, something better. He also wants to do something greater in our lives. Go to John 14 and verse 12. John 14, 12 says this, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus was not just referring to his disciples, but he who believes in him. And if you're a believer this morning, you and I are destined to become vessels for great things for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Now, God wants to do something new, something better, something greater. But he also wants to do something more. How many of you have certain verses of Scripture that are meaningful to you, that have been pivotal, pivotal in your life, that have changed your life? How many of you have certain verses? I have two in particular that was very instrumental in my life and was life-changing. The first was Mark eleven twenty three and 24. The second one is what I'm about to share with you this, this morning. Luke 18 and verse 29. God has promised us more because he has so much more in store for us. Luke 18 and verse 29 says this. So he said to them, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left or let go house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, verse 30, who will not receive, watch this, many times more when in this present time and in the age to come, eternal life. The message translation says that it will all come back multiplied many times over in your lifetime. When we let go, we don't lose everything, we gain everything. We don't lose more, we gain more. Amen? God has set us up so nicely. So when we learn to let go, understand that God has something great, something good, something new, something better, something more, and your name is on it. Praise the Lord. Now, we learned what it means to let go. It's a decision to stop holding on. We learn why it's so important to God that we let go. Because God wants our complete focus and attention. Because then when he has our complete focus and complete attention, then God can step in and do something new, something better, something greater, something more, and take us further. But how do we do this? How do we let go? Yes, I understand it starts with a decision. But how many of you know, if you're honest with ourselves, that can be really challenging. That can be a painful experience for some. That can be a real struggle. But if we want to let go the biblical way, the only way, and that is to simply trust in the Lord. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. You see, when we, when, whenever we're faced with an important decision or a difficult decision like letting go, we have a hard time trusting anyone, even God. There, so many Christians, well, I should say there's so much of a disconnect among Christians, among believers, in having faith in Christ to get us to heaven and trusting Christ to navigate us through life on this earth. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Trusting in, in the Lord is the only path to life. Trusting in the Lord means more than just believing who He is and what He says. Trusting in the Lord means having complete and total confidence in God. Unfortunately, we live in a culture 
where there is misplaced trust, broken promises, and damaged lies. But can I tell you something this morning? Only Jesus is unshakable. Only Jesus is unbreakable. And only Jesus is unshakable and worthy of all our trust. Many of you know my story when I first came to the Lord, and I don't want to get into too, too much of that, but there's a part there in my life where when God interrupted my life, it was at a time where it was dark and difficult. And God was so gracious because he sent laborers my way to bring the gospel. Over a period of time, the gospel seed that was planted in my heart began to take root and began to develop. All of a sudden, I started thinking more about God. I started inquiring more about God. I started visiting churches from time to time, off and on. I even went to some Bible studies from time to time. Until one day, I finally gave my life to Jesus. I made him my savior. And for the first time in my life, I found happiness, I found joy, I found peace, I found meaning and hope and all the good things. However, like the young ruler, there were still some things I would let go. Things that God had been telling me to let go of, but I refused to. And the thing that I was holding on to was the relationship that I had been in at the time when God interrupted my life. It was an ungodly relationship. It was an unhealthy relationship. It was a very toxic relationship. However, I was still holding on to it. It is not so much in the relationship, but what complicated matters was that I had a son in the relationship. And so I had this fear of letting go of and not being a part of my son's life. I was afraid. I'll admit that. I was afraid to let go. I was terrified that if I was to let go, that means I will not be with my son, that I'll never see my son again. I'll never be an influence on my son. I'll never be there for my son. And I was afraid that somebody else would come in and be an influence on him instead of me. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can all feel what I'm talking about, right? So I had some serious fears about letting go. So I said to myself, in the little bit of knowledge and experience that I had as a young Christian, I prayed the best prayer that I can pray to God. And I said, Lord, interrupt my life. Interrupt her life the way you interrupted my life. Transform her life like you transformed my life. Then we can do the right thing, get married, live happily ever after, and I'll never have to make a difficult decision again. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. You see, I was praying that God would come in and move in my life on my terms. While God was telling me, let go. And see, what I did not understand was that God has something new. God has something better. God has something greater. And God wanted to do so much more in my life. And take me even further than I could ever imagine. But I wouldn't let go. And the harder and the longer I held on, the more miserable I became. Don't you know that you're never happy when you're holding on to something that God has been telling you to let go of? You're never going to be happy. You're going to be miserable. But when you finally let go, and there was a time when I finally said, Lord, okay. I let it go. I have to admit, it was very difficult for me. And it was painful for me. Nonetheless, I let go. And over a period of time, I began to see God doing some new things in my life. I began to see God do some better things in my life. I mean, look what he did. He brought me a good wife. A great wife. But I would not have seen it because I didn't know. But God did some wonderful things since then. And I like to believe that God is not done with me yet. He's still got some new things that he wants to do. He still wants to do some better things. He still wants to do some greater things. And he wants, still wants to do more things in my life and take me even further than I, where I'm at. Amen. And the same goes for you.
God is saying, trust me, I got you. Go with me to Genesis chapter 22. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your understanding. Trusting God means even when it, life doesn't make any sense. Trusting God means even when times are difficult and painful. <clears throat> Trusting the Lord means when all, when all you see is the problem and not the solution. Trusting in the Lord means also when you can't even see a way out. When we trust in the Lord, we're trusting him even in the hard places. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2, God appeared to Abraham and commanded him to do the most unthinkable thing for a parent. He says this in verse 2, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Now, what God was telling Abraham to do was difficult, painful, and unthinkable for any parent. And think about what God was telling him to do. To offer him up as a burnt offering. Do you know what that requires? That means he would have to take him to the mountain, build the altar, and then kill his son. And then place his dead body on the altar and light the body up on fire. That is unthinkable. Nevertheless, Abraham got up that morning early. And I believe he got up early in the morning before Sarah so he don't have to explain to Sarah what he was about to do. Because I don't think he would have gotten through Sarah. So you're going to do what? No, you're not. But I understand this. When God told him to do this, this did not make any sense to Abraham. Because just a few chapters before that, God had promised that a great nation is going to come forth from out of Isaac. And from out of Isaac will God's seed come from, which is his, which was Jesus. So now God is telling him to let go of his son and kill his son as a burnt offering. This did not make a sense to him. But even though it did not make any sense, even though he was confused and don't know how all this was going to come to pass, he got up that morning as a, a show of trust, woke up his son, packed up his mule, bring up, brought a couple of servants with him, and began the journey. And the Bible says that this journey was a three-day journey. So think about this. He had three days to think about what he was going to do to his son. Now, Abraham is no different than you and I. And if you're a parent, you can just imagine how difficult and how painful that was going to be. Thinking that I'm about to kill my son and burn him at the altar. What is God doing how many of you ever asked God that? When things are going on in your life, it doesn't make any sense. Say, Lord, what are you doing? So, just to show you again how much he trusted in the Lord, even though he did not understand it, even though he had no idea how all this was going to play out, in verse 5, he finally gets to the place where he was about to sacrifice his son. And he tells his servant, stay here. And he says, with the, with the, stay with the donkey. And he says, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Amen. Now again, you know, as faith people, we like to speak faith. But when we're speaking faith, in the, in the back of our mind is, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. But I just know what God said. So I'm just going with that. And Abraham said, we will come back. And so they make their journey up the mountain. And the Bible says in Hebrews eleven nineteen that even though Abraham didn't understand what was going on and how God was going to play this out, he actually believed that God would eventually raise his son up from the dead because of the promise that God had made concerning his son. So they climb up the mountain, and in verse 7, his son begins to take inventory of all the things that they had for the sacrifice. 
and he found something missing. He said, Dad, look, we've got the fire and we've got the wood, but where's the land for the burnt offering? And Abraham once again shows his trust. In verse 8, he says, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So you know the story. They got to the mountain. They built the altar. He placed his son on the altar. You know, it's strange because in my mind I'm thinking, what did the son say during all this time? Did he have anything to say? He remains very silent. But yet there he laid on the altar. And as Abraham was about to plunge the knife into his body, God steps in and says, hold it. Don't go any further. Now I know. Now I'm convinced. You see, when you step out, God will step in. He may step, he may step in on the last day. He may step in in the last hour. He may step, step in in the last minute. Or he may step in in the last second. But he will step in when we step out. Amen. Now look at what verse 13 says. Because Abraham trusted God. Verse 13 says, Then Abraham lifted his eyes, looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And so Abraham went, he probably ran down and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 14. This is what I want you to see. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Jehovah Jireh is one of God's many wonderful names in the Bible. We know that the name Jehovah is God's covenant name. But that little word Jireh is a very interesting Hebrew word. Because that word means to see beforehand. So if you put the two together, it's God has seen. In other words, God precedes everything before he provides. His provision is connected to his prevision. So everything that God already provided for us over here God already seen over here. Remember the verse that I shared with you earlier in Hebrews 11 verse 40, where it says that God had us in mind and had something better and greater in view for us. Because he saw it already before he provided it. So watch this. As Abraham was climbing up one side of the mountain with his son, Unbeknownst to him, a ram was climbing up the other side of the mountain. God already saw it. Abraham didn't see it coming. The only one that was surprised was Abraham. God wasn't because God already saw it beforehand. And when you and I let go of things, God already precedes what he's about to provide. You don't have to see it. You just have to trust him. And when you trust him, know that his provision is connected to his prevision because he already sees beforehand what he's about to provide for you when you let go. Are you hearing me this morning? When Abraham was climbing up that mountain, all he had was trust. He was confused. Didn't understand what was going on. Why would God ask him to do something so unthinkable? But all he had to hold on to was his trust. But what he did not see was what God was about to do in his life. And when we don't let go, we prevent God from coming in and doing something new, something better, something greater, and something more, and prevent him from taking us further. Why would we allow, why, we, why, why would we not allow God to do that for us? 
During seasons of uncertainty, always remember this. God is writing a bigger story that you and I cannot see. And that story includes you. Everything in our lives and our circumstances, God already precedes. Look at Psalm verse 31 and verse 19. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. That word laid up means to cover or to hide by placing something over it, by covering something over it. This implies someone that's hoarding or reserving something for someone. And so when the Bible says, how great is your goodness, which God had laid up or reserved, he was reserving that for you and I because we trust him. When Abraham finally let go of his son, God had reserved and prepared the sacrifice for him because he was willing to let go enough to trust, I mean, trust him enough to let go. Some of you this morning, God has already spoken to you and telling you and identifying some of the things that you need to let go of. And if God is speaking to you this morning and he's already telling you the things that you have to let go of, remember that God has something in store, prepared and ready for you. Something that he's already laid out for you, if you're willing to trust him enough. Proverbs 28 and verse 25, as I close, says this, But he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. That word prospered means to make fat or to satisfy. You know, it's a great gain when we learn to trust God. Sometimes we need to dare God by trusting Him. Sometimes we might have to jump off the cliff, not literally, but jump off the cliff knowing that there's an invisible net waiting to catch us. We just have to learn to trust God that he's got something prepared for us when we let go. And I'm sharing that from my own personal experience. And I learned how much of a great gain it can be when we learn to let go. So I want to do something this morning. I want everyone to stand. And we're going to make a declaration this morning. If God has been speaking to you about any particular thing in your life that you've been letting go, we're going to go before the Lord and we're going to make this declaration and shame the devil while we're at it. So I want you to close your eyes because this is a personal declaration between you and God. It is your heart towards his heart. So I want you to raise up your hand towards heaven and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to make this declaration. Say, Father, I make this declaration before heaven and earth. To let go of all the things that I've been holding on to, that I've allowed to interfere with your plans for my life. Father, I'm letting go of those things that have been holding me back and holding me hostage. Anger, resentment, bitterness, pride, unforgiveness, sin. Guilt, fear, insecurities, possessions, depression, or anything else that have clogged the pipeline of blessings in my life. Because I trust you, Lord, I will let go with the help of the Holy Spirit to make room to receive this new inventory. That you've stored up for me so that I can experience something new, something more, something better, something greater for my life. And Lord, I thank you for setting me free. I've let go. Thank you. In Jesus' name.
Amen and amen. Now you can worship the Lord. You may be seated. Before we close out the service, let me ask this one question. Actually, two. If you're here this morning, if you've never given your life to the Lord, you never had an encounter with the Lord Jesus, you never come to a place where you realize that you need Jesus in your life. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning, and I want to help make that happen for you. If you can just raise your hands nice and high so we can see you, because I just want to pray for you.